I decided to go to a Christian college. Part of it was because was really just gung-ho and wanted to convert the Christians to be atheists and uh, was on this mission of hatred pretty much. And I ended up in the chapel to get out of the rain and Christ appeared to me. It was just the bright light like when Paul was converted. And yeah, um, he, I couldn't see his face. It was too bright, but he, he told me that uh, I was to serve his church as a theologian. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the CPT Podcast. Today our guest is Dr. Rachel Staley, who is a CPT fellow and the pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Towanda, Pennsylvania. We're talking with Rachel about her story of faith, her conversion, her research on Jonathan Edwards, as well as her story of becoming a pastor theologian. Let's get right into the conversation. Rachel, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for being with us. It's uh, It's been marvelous to get to know you over the last number of years as one of our CPT fellows and uh, to get to know your life and ministry uh, better and, and benefit from your contribution to uh, the CPT gatherings. And it's great to have a chance to get to know you a little bit better and share your life. Get, have you have an opportunity to share your life and ministry with our listeners? So we're uh, we're grateful for this opportunity. And Rachel, there's a ton to talk about, and I say that because um, you've had uh, both a, a, a kind of a fascinating and 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 in, in many respects sort of remarkable life story and faith journey that we're excited to get into. Um, but you've also candidly had some some ups and downs and some incredible moments in your life, but also some difficult times. And and you're in one of those right now with your own health situation. And perhaps we could just begin there um, by you sharing about your your current health situation, and then and then we'll we'll uh, move from there into more of your life story. But but talk to us about how you're doing. Um, physically right now and, and what your situation is? Well, thank you for asking. Um, at the end of last year, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, a kind of sarcoma cancer. Um, and mm. uh, so since then, I've been undergoing chemotherapy. Um, I went through one regimen that was successful, but not as successful as my doctors had hoped. So, so I just started uh, the second one. Um, and, you know, I think we're making progress. Um, I, I'm very blessed to have very few side effects and, yeah, uh, and wow. the church and the community have been remarkable in supporting me. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just, even though I'm in a tough spot, I'm also very blessed and grateful. Um, and we'll just see where the Lord leads. I, course, I pray for healing, whether it's through medicine or uh, a miracle. But um, so basically, I'm not uh, serving the church right now actively in, in uh, as far as occupation. I'm on leave. And uh, I hope, hopefully, Lord willing, I'll be back maybe by the end of this year or early next year. Yeah. 
And and we were talking a little bit before we started recording, Rachel, that it's it's been a very interesting time for you to be battling with your own serious health condition in the midst of a global pandemic and one that's impacting the lives of thousands and thousands of people, of course, around the world, millions of people around the world, but of course, in our own country and communities as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about how that's been. That's a, That's got to be a uh, in a tension in a sense, or, or I don't know if it's a challenge. I don't know if you'd use that kind of language, but it's just a, it's very weird. <laughs> Maybe is the way to put it. <laughs> right. Well, it is, it is weird. I think all of us have experienced some kind of weirdness in, in one way or yeah. another. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm single and having mm-hmm. to be alone at home, not going mm-hmm. anywhere, um, actually has been the greatest challenge, uh, just wanting to see a human face and be in the presence yes. of another human being. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think um, what ultimately what I ended up doing for my own health, <laughs> physical and otherwise, um, is just not <laughs> being on Facebook, not uh, yes. answering all the emails. You know, it, it was just so stressful um, that I think it was actually, you know, becoming kind of debilitating. So, um, you know, it just, it's been fascinating to try to figure it all out. And, um, and all of us have, you know, like I said, experienced that weirdness one way or the other. Uh, and you, and you, you, you are a, uh, you're a trained theologian as well as a, as a local church pastor. And what, as you've been grappling with your own physical condition and in a sense, mortality, uh, and then in the context of this global pandemic, where, where's your mind been going kind of theologically as you're making sense of, of your own situation and then what's going on in the world? What, what, what theological truths have you been, uh, reflecting on or how have you been processing and making sense of everything? Uh, well, it's been kind of interesting because I think, um, you know, for all of the books that I've read, like you guys, uh, you know, I just go I've basically just going back to the basics. Um, yes. Jesus is with me. Uh, mm-hmm. He's helping me. I, you know, he's helping me carry the yoke. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have hope in him uh, no matter how it turns out. Um, mm-hmm. And I was sharing with Zach before Todd came on that, you know, how, how am I going to be a servant even though I'm in this situation? You know, yeah. I, I don't get a pass. Um, like I can't just stop serving or loving other people. So, um, yeah. so what does that mean for me in having a ministry uh, in a different kind of context? Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's nothing profound. I don't think mm-hmm. um, it's more just what does Jesus tell me to do today, and um, pretty fundamental stuff. It's it's striking to me just hearing you say that, Rachel. How in in conversations with people who are in in seasons of suffering, or in in my own life, or the lives of people who are who are close to me, the overlap between the 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 theological truths that people are are thinking about clinging to mm. in seasons of suffering, and the way I talk to my three year old daughter about mm. God. Is yeah. striking to me. Yes, um, there's something so uh, just just basic and simple, but profound 
in I, I think the way uh, God would call us to to process suffering as as believers, and it's it's just so um, incredible to hear you say that, and just think those are those are the things I was talking to to Grace about yesterday, <laughs> and she's three years old. Yeah, um, that's and and it's and it's counter it's a counterintuitive or ironic perhaps that um, you know as a trained theologian with a PhD from, from Boston, like yourself, you're, you're not, you're not that you're not digging into that well as you're, you know, living this moment in your faith journey, but um, it's almost, it's almost just simpler than all that. So thank, thank you for sharing that. No. And I think part of it too, is that when I, when I ask the deep questions that there are no answers for, mm you know, there's nowhere else to go <laughs> except yeah. back to the Lord and, and yes, uh, basic truths. So. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good word. Rachel, take us back to the beginning of your story, would you? And tell us about your childhood and, and where you grew up and what kind of family you were reared in and, and faith, how your faith journey began uh, in maybe perhaps in the context of your family or, or how it developed in that, in that setting as well. Well, um, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania, and uh, <clears throat> my parents were nominally Catholic. Um, we happened to live across the street from the church, uh, the Catholic church and the school. And so I, I did go to Catholic school, and uh, I, I ended up being more involved in the church than my parents were. Um, mm. uh, and I think in some respects, the church and the school were, um, were a safe place to get away um, because my, my parents didn't get along. <laughs> and mm. home life was, you know, it wasn't anything you'd call child services about, but, you know, it was stressful and there was conflict. Mm. So um, so I found kind of a haven in, in the church. And we, my brother and I were, we knew the priests, we knew the nuns, and uh, we were um, connected to them and learned a lot from them. And um, so in that sense, faith was part of my life, even though I didn't grasp the depth of it at that time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I learned the basics at the Catholic school. I don't remember ever reading the Bible or reading Bible stories. Um, mm. We kind of got the synopsis of of what Jesus did and said, but, um, you know, I think, again, there was, there was a little bit of a foundation there that, that yeah. ended up helping later on. Rachel, tell us about then how your faith developed. Um, you were, um, there was, there was a sense of, of God and the, the meaning of the Christian, you know, the Christianity was meaningful to you as a child, but talk to us about how your faith developed over the years. Well, um, pretty much because uh, I encountered some pretty difficult situations and, and had to figure out how this faith piece fit in to, to all of that. Um, my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade. And then um, I, in my manuscript, I share about a priest I was close to who basically committed suicide. Um, oh, wow. And then uh, in ninth grade, my mother was diagnosed with colon cancer ah. and in 10th grade, my brother died of cancer. So ah, Rachel, um, 
My word. Yeah, it just <laughs> it felt like every time I turned around, somebody was sick or dying. So you that's know. Just, that's a stunning amount of of heartache for a young person, a young adult. Um, yeah, it was, <clears throat> and <clears throat> it just wiped me out, really. Ah, oh, I can imagine. And not to uh, sorry, sorry, Rachel, but not to downplay the. Um, the significance of the other things that you mentioned, but the first, you know, just as I was, and we, and we should mention that uh, Rachel already referred to this once. And I think we'll refer to it elsewhere is that um, you are, you're working on a, a, a autobiography of sorts um, that you've distributed to us and some other CPT fellows. So we're just kind of referring to some parts of your story from that, but uh, the death of this priest um, which was perhaps the first in the, the sequence of difficult events, that was, he, you were close with him. You describe him as a friend of yours. Yes. Um, and then to have him have this cryptic, oh, I'm going away on a trip, and then um, just never never see him alive again, um, that was not an, not an insignificant event for you. No, it was very significant, and I mean... I never say this explicitly, but there's a reason that my father is never mentioned in the, in the manuscript um, mm-hmm. because he was not, you know, he was not a major player as a positive influence. So, mm-hmm. um, but this priest was, and uh, you know, he, it, it was, it was hard to process. You're right. Yeah. And, and I think, um, what really happened, you know, his, his death did not turn me off to the church. It was people's reaction to his death that did. Um, because at his funeral, um, there were priests who got drunk afterwards and I saw it. Um, you know, so it was like something important to me was desecrated by their behavior. Wow. Wow. um, You know, I just felt like, everything that was important to him uh, was just set aside for a party, you know? Um, So yeah, that was, that was quite significant. And Rachel, where do you trace your conversion to in, in this setting, in this context? Where do you mark your conversion itself? Well, um, after his death, after my brother's death, really, I just decided to, bail on God. Mm. Um, And so, you know, for the rest of high school and early into college, I dove into being an atheist and, you know, went gung-ho on atheist literature and all of that. Um, So it really was, was in college that the Lord reached out to me. Um, And I I knew I was miserable (laughs) and I knew uh, that atheism is logically impossible to, to maintain. Um, and trying to live as an atheist is really exhausting. Um, <laughs> tell, tell us about, I haven't heard anybody put it quite that way, Rachel. Tell us about how exhausting it is to live as an atheist. What does that well, mean? Well, uh, because you have to deny, constantly deny everything around you that speaks to God's reality. And In a sense, anything that has a kind of transcendent meaning, whether it's called God or not, in this, right. isn't it right? Right, yeah. Anything spiritual, anything that any kind of sense that there's something beyond just who we are as people. Mm. Um, 
And there was, I can't remember if this is in the manuscript, but I was, there was a night I was on a country road and I pulled off and looked up at the stars and I knew full well there was a God. Um, but it's, it's just a lot of work to deny it constantly. Uh, mm. I don't recommend it. <laughs> huh. And part, that's one of the reasons I, one of the reasons I wanted to write my story because, you know, atheism has gone through this kind of popular revival, I guess, uh, at least in some circles, but um, there's, it's really a dead end. So. Yeah, yeah. And you talk to us about the um, conversion moment. Well, in this, in this atheistic season. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of weird. Um, I decided to go to a Christian college um, and part of it was because it has a good reputation and I was a snob and I wanted to go to it, but. Uh, which um, college was this, Rachel? Grove City College. Yes. Um, excellent. Then, sorry? That's an excellent school. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so it fed my ego, but. I also um, was really just gung ho and wanted to convert the Christians to be atheists and uh, was on this mission of hatred pretty much. A, a, a counter missionary, if you will. Exactly. So everybody there has at that time had to take a two year course in religion and philosophy. And um, within five weeks, you know, I was highly upset and annoyed at my professor and um because he was telling me the truth and I didn't want to listen. So, wow. um, so one day we had a discussion and, you know, basically he said, this is the truth. Take it or leave it. You know, it's not like negotiable or anything. Um, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> um, and uh, so I left his office and I ended up in the chapel to get out of the rain and uh, Christ appeared to me. Um, and, uh, you mean that you mean that quite literally? Yes. Um it was just the bright light like when Paul wow. was converted and um yeah, um he I couldn't see his face, it was too bright, but he he told me that uh I was to serve his church as a theologian. Wow. And, um and you were you were like twenty at the time, Rachel, is this right? Oh uh, nineteen. 19, yeah. my goodness. And Jesus appears to you at Grove, at Chapel at Grove City College and tells you to be a theologian. Yeah, I didn't really know what that meant, of course, but. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, so. I, that that yeah. may be a uh, uh, CPT fellow exclusive, as it were. I don't know if yeah. anyone else, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else can. That's right. We asked people on the podcast about their calling to ministry. And, and now everyone else's sounds boring, relatively speaking. Say, everybody says the Lord calls me, but you quite literally Jesus appeared to you. Well, yeah. And, and actually, um, it was a little bit funny at first because after I was converted at this moment, I thought that's how everybody became a Christian. Um, I mean, what did I know? So. I, you know, I would be in a Bible study or whatever, and they'd talk about making a decision for Christ. And I was like, what does that talk about? What are you talking about? I didn't wow. have. Rachel, so, I got to ask why, like God, did, Jesus didn't appear to me when I was converted. And I don't think, Zach, that's your story. And I, I don't know that I know anybody for whom that is, they can speak that bluntly about 
Christ appearing to them. Why, can I ask, why do you think, have you reflected, I'm sure you've reflected on it, why do you think Jesus appeared to you in that, in that sort of ex, you know, direct way? Well, I think for one reason is that um, there's no way I could deny him anymore. Mm. Uh, absolutely not. You know, here I am. You, you can't deny me. Um, but also, interestingly, later on, especially when I was at Boston University, you know, extremely liberal school um, where Jesus got beat up every day. Um, you know, I'd be miserable and crying on the subway going home and want to quit. And, you know, I was like, okay, I can't quit because this is my calling. Um, wow. There's wow. no doubt about it. You know, I, I can't wonder, gee, you know, should I change course? No, you can't change course. <laughs> this is your course. So, hmm. um, and so you met Jesus and then how did your life change? Well, um, I left the chapel and I knew right away that I was a Christian. Um, I, Pretty, within a couple of weeks, I changed my major and wow. um, just went. I was pre-law English before and was, just, you know, it was like I had meaning to my life all of a sudden. Mm. Wow. And Rachel, I just to go back to because I, I, I read the account of uh, your conversion as you write it up in this autobiography that you're working on. Um and you you say that Jesus said to you that I claim your heart as my own, right. and that was striking to me. Wow! Um, and it just and even what you were just saying, the way you described your life experience afterwards, and you're just like, oh, I just knew I was a Christian. Um, and you know, you study you. We'll get to this, I'm sure, but you studied Jonathan Edwards, and you're serving from within you know a Presbyterian tradition, so. Uh, there's all sorts of regeneration and reform, sovereignty of God type, you know, irresistible grace type vibes. I'm sure in in your way of thinking about all this, but I, I just I am I am so just struck by the the beauty and the intensity of your experience uh, with the Lord um, to have an experience of of him him saying to you, "I claim my heart as your own." Um, it, it's very easy. Uh, and, and it's very easy to get kind of melodramatic in talking about that. And I think you're a little cheeky. You describe it as kind of like a, a, a B-list Hollywood, uh, <laughs> like inspirational movie. Right. And it's in, in it's, uh, almost cliche type of, uh, working out. But, uh, I, I don't know. I, sorry to linger on that. I just find it incredible. Well, it is incredible and, and it's God's hmm. mercy, um, hmm. pure and simple. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people say, oh, I wish I had that experience. And and I think I say to them sometimes, depending on who they are, well, I would have loved to have grown up in a Christian home. Um, uh, you know, yeah. so I think God works in our lives wow. in a variety of ways that are best for us. But um, but he showed me mercy. Wow. And so you, you had this powerful, transformative moment of conversion of meeting Jesus and um, changed your major and had a sense that you were called to be a th theologian. You, you graduated from Grove city and, uh, what, where did you go from there? And, and also Rachel, when did you, when did the pastor piece come into the equation? So talk to us about right. your intellectual trajectory or your academic trajectory, and then how the pastor piece fit into that equation. Well, um, 
for quite a while, I had no intention at all of being a pastor, and I actually didn't did not believe in women's ordination mm. um, until I felt like God wanted me to do that. So, mm. um, which also were I had a lot of issues to work through with that. But um, mm. yeah, it was. Uh, I went to Gordon Conwell in South Hamilton, Massachusetts, and the time of my life uh, was wonderful experience. Um, and it was a great place to grow and um, meet other Christians of a variety of backgrounds. Yeah. And we also were exposed to, you know, you could take courses at Harvard if you want or Andover Newton, the other schools in the Boston area. And uh, it was interesting to get a, a taste of those places too, as well as the students, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, God just broadened my horizons in, in wonderful ways. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah, it was a marvelous experience. So um, I graduated from Boston University then and thought I would go teach. And I did for a year, but then I got sick. And it was during that illness that I thought mm -hmm. the Lord wanted to take me in a different direction um, wow. to be a pastor. Wow. It, your 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 sort of pastoral calling emerges in the context of personal suffering and illness. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, when I was ill, um, I was, of course, I'm from southeastern Pennsylvania, and I was uh, relocated to teach in western Illinois, um, in a town called Quincy. It has about forty thousand people. Um, so I'm on my own. I'm far from home. I lost my health, which met, led to me losing my job. Um, mm. And the Lord uh, showed me that this is the direction I want you to go. But he also blessed me with a wonderful church family wow. and a wonderful mentor um, to help me through the process of being ordained. And uh, But it was it was really born out of a lot of that suffering time alone, uh, it, the Lord transformed me to, to be more compassionate and more sensitive to others and wow. less cerebral. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like I said uh, earlier in our discussion, you know, just getting back to the basics of what it means to believe, be a believer. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of our conversation with CPT fellow Rachel Staley. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. Uh, the CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.